so guess what, dude? I'm about to fucking accuse you again. You ready? Two episodes in a row. Two episodes in a row. I'm calling you out. For real? It's like that? I'm fucking calling your shit out. Okay. We have been drinking. It is a weeknight. Yeah. I'm currently drinking. And Dan, please verify It was this. recently Dan's birthday. It is about to be my birthday. It is not a joke. This is not a bit. I am for real drinking a Seagram's Escape. You are. In and I'm a, not going to play the same. In a fucking nice cup and everything. With ice. It's ridiculous. Because I need to water it down. It is strong. <laughs> <laughs> Dan went from a 15-year-age scotch to a Seagram's Escape to, That's watch, the ta- to watch the taste. That's a, that is such a flex. That's a 1-8. That's like pe- This tastes like mouthwash to me. That's now. like people who buy like a $1,000 bottle of bourbon and they were like, oh, drain pour. I made barbecue sauce out of it. This tastes like a Starbucks refresher, like Dragonberry. It tastes like... The liquid that drips out of the Starbucks refrigerator onto the floor. <laughs> Let's get this shit. Ooh. Do you think um, yeah. Space Bacon might cover that with their new guitarist? That would be dope. That'd be sick as fuck. He does, the Freddy guy, he does, you know, he does music for us sometimes, too. Really? Oh, yeah, a bunch of the albums that I play in the background are him. Really? Like, when we're in our down, chill shit. Oh, when you, I, there used to be a time where you'd be like, oh, and today's music is by so-and-so, I remember. Yo, am I supposed to do that every time? It's the same fucking No, guy. no, no, no. Anyway, it was him. Cool. Shout out, Freddy. Shout out. Good dude. My man really got fingered, you know what I'm saying? He also loves this podcast, Freddy Rylance. Text, text me all the time about it, actually. He thinks it's fucking hilarious, and we like him a lot. I like him a lot. Bro, play that shit on stage during Space Bacon Set Breaks. Do, yeah, wait, Fred. Pump that through the PA, Fred, my guy. You're the only one from Space Bacon probably listening to this. So, now that you're in the band... No one wants to hear the talking heads anymore, dude. That shit is over. Let's get movie the... Movie Blues Podcast. Let's get the Movie Blues Podcast theme. First of all, Chris did the new one. Yeah. So you guys could either cover that one or the old one. Just spin it in the house. Let's go, dude. Just one time. Listen, listen, listen. Your band, Space Bacon. Use it as live samples, my guy. Your band, Space Bacon, played the Home Depot commercial theme at a festival this year. (laughs) And you're going to fucking tell me... Dan is in shock right now. Yes, and it was ripped. What is the Home Depot theme? (laughs) Home Depot theme is like... You know what? It's a lot like the old movie blues song, actually. Uh, dude, what the fuck? That rips. Um, you guys played the Home Depot theme, which shredded. And I think That's it's awesome. time to do your boys justice. Yeah. We shout you guys out, like, sometimes. I'm trying to get the bump from that appearing on their set list. <laughs> Me too. Anyway, hi, ladies and gentlemen. You guys need an opener at Ardmore or what? Welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. Live recording. I am Dan Lyons. And I am desperate for a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, holla holla. It's time to review movies. It's time to <laughs> spend a Canadian dollar. Wait, so um, <clears throat> je accuse, sir. Okay. And I'm throwing my glove down at you once again. Two Good. episodes in a row. Wow. Real mad at you right now. 
Fuck. And do you know why I might be mad at you? <laughs> no, I had a good idea about the power bottom thing. Now I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, I listen. Is it because you, you hate this movie? No, you come here all the time. Okay. All the time for this podcast. And I really appreciate that. And I try to give you drugs and booze and like, you know, <laughs> keep the party going. I sound like a pedophile right now. 100%. Yeah. My bad. I slipped him a Mickey and told him to press record. And, 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 and like, you know, job provide. I appreciate everything you do. The bits you did in last week's episode, while really hurtful, <laughs> I've had some time to think about and were really funny. Good job. Thank you. Made me feel a little sick about just everything that this podcast has become. <laughs> um, now, <sighs> je accuse. Okay, you said that. You and I had a like a big disagreement. Okay. Now this is bigger than what was the thing I accused you of last time we were doing um, uh, the uh, the power bottom thing? the power bottom thing. Yeah, that uh, problematic, definitely <laughs> <laughs> definitely problematic segment of the episode. But this is eclipses that because this was over a huge argument that you and I had. Okay. Which was that one day. And I want the audience to be the fucking judge here, okay? That's what we're going to do. Audience is the judge. One day, and I want you to write in the comments what you thought about this situation, or you will be banned from the rental zone permanently. Dan, just, just get on with it. <laughs> Where is my fucking DVD, Dan? Not Battlestar Galactica. The fucking one that you should have brought me. That you went absolutely ape shit. After I went absolutely apeshit on you, here's the situation, audience. Okay. Dan Endon contacts me while I'm at work, doing my job for America. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, bro, they're doing the fucking Criterion sale. Like, do you want to get a Criterion DVD? I'll like oh. fucking, I'll like fucking, uh, yeah, I'm going to steal your points and make you buy something. Because, oh, the shipping's not da-da-da-da-da unless I get one more DVD. Is there anything you want? I'm like, dude, fucking fine. I look it up. I'm like... Here, I'll just get this one. I just caved, got the DVD, and you know what the look on your face is right now? Is you don't even remember what the movie was, do you? No. <laughs> what is it? You don't even fucking remember! I don't. The injustices that you've done to me. What is it? So Dan convinces <laughs> me to buy a fucking DVD at work, which I do. Hold on. When everyone knows my preferred shopping time for DVDs is very late. At I night. was in an airport in... Florida while I was doing this text Not only does the man get my criterion points, <laughs> but but he doesn't even, oh, he doesn't even remember the movie. It's been so long. What movie is but it? then he hits me up. This is my best friend. <laughs> my best buddy. Hits me up fucking 24 hours later. How late? How much later was it? I don't a, know. I don't a day. Know what you're talking a fucking about. day. You texted me and go, hey, can you Venmo me for that DVD? I was like, what are you, some kind of poor? What are we doing here? It's a DVD. The next time I see you, which was several episodes ago on this podcast. No, hold on. When I texted you about that was when the DVD arrived. No, you, no, yeah, not, no. Yeah, huh. Yeah, when you texted me what? Asking to Venmo me for it. Regardless. I saw the thing. I was like, oh yeah, this thing. Regardless. Okay. I was going to see you for the next block of episodes. We trade DVDs back and forth. For example, you have a $300 Battlestar Galactica set of mine that I never got to watch. 
that you've held captive for six months or more, maybe a year at this point. I never even saw the DVDs. I put I I put them in my case. I didn't <laughs> turn them around. I never even saw the spines. And you took it. And I've never seen it again. So I have that relationship with you where I don't care. I'll give you whatever you want from here. Any book, any movie, anything. And you tried to get me to Venmo you $20 as if it was some fucking emergency for Salo. 120 days of Sodom. One of the, you know, masterpieces of our time. And you never even brought it. And you didn't bring it this time. And beyond that, it was my birthday. Dude. You could have shoehorned that I in. I know. I know. Why didn't you just remind me, though? Because. You know how I am. Because I'm playing the long game. It was game. just so you could I'm do this. I'm playing the long game, Dan. No, I actually didn't plan on doing this. Okay. I thought of this at the end of the last episode. And that's why I said to you, I need to roast you. That's hilarious. When you were peeing. I was like, wait a minute. I need to roast you. Dan. And I'll give you credit here. I didn't even remember Salo. Okay. When, you, when you were peeing, I had to think about it for like five minutes. I was like, what even was it at this point? It was so long ago. That's so funny. Anyway, uh, welcome to our review of the whole 9-11 yards. Dude, that uh, that whole thing, ordering the Criterion, <laughs> I was like drunk in an airport, like after being on vacation for six days. I did not even remember that any of that happened until that box arrived to my house. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this? Dude, what I ordered, I would never order. It was a box set that contained like five easy pieces, uh, like um, last uh, last picture show, and like Easy Rider, like just like these like '60s American movies. What? That's what it showed up with that Salo disc, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was just drunk buying shit in the fucking thing. If I don't see that Salo disc soon, I'm gonna cry. I'll bring it to you, dude. I want to see those Italian libertines dude, take advantage of it, those youths. It is sitting now. So, like, I have my work desk and, like, my main collection's downstairs, but I have, like, the, a bunch of display boys up above my desk, and it's been sitting there for two months, and not once has it occurred to me that it is not mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Um, so, my bad. My bad, yeah. JQ, I've been accused. I, the gauntlet has been I, thrown I, down I, twice now. I, I would have preferred if you just asked for it, and I would have been like, oh, shit, my bad, and I would have brought it. No, it, and, and truthfully, I don't care, but this was fun for a bit, but also... That caused me so much anxiety. This was twice in a row that you're like, yo, let's have another glass of scotch. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool, we're hanging out, we're having a good time. And, we are, I'm still, we, this is a good time. Hit, and I was like, I was like, you good? You're like, yeah, man, I'm great. And you hit record, and you're like, j'accuse! <laughs> Dude, I, this is the movie Blues Podcast, you gotta be on your toes. You know I'm, how it goes around here. I'm just trying to relax, man, I've been ill. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Um, Today's episode, the mm. whole the whole nine eleven yards, mm. is um the a, whole nine eleven yard is a episode that we originally were going to record on nine eleven. Is that right? Yeah. So okay. the album art, um, I'm <laughs> oh, going to no. apologize ahead of time. Still reflects that. Dude. I'm not remaking it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. I'm not fucking remaking that album art. You remember how funny that image was. Vaguely. Remember when I sent it to you and you were like, Jesus. Oh, wait, that's what you say after every image I send you for the podcast. But you were like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, yeah, this is an all timer. <laughs> I haven't seen it since then. So when I dig it up in my phone, it's going to be a real like hoot for me. Um, anyway, um, we got to We got to roll with that. Um, I, I can't not roll with that. And for that reason, I had a bit that was prepared <laughs> uh, for that episode, which now we're going to have to do. I'm sorry. It's just that's what, that's, dude? That's what a happens. 9-11 related bit. Yes, 100 percent. You're doing 9-11 blackface. <laughs> You're doing 9-11 face, dude. You said just 9-11 face. You're doing 9-11. <laughs> 
I feel like I had a I had a good one the other day with you, a face one in our chat. Oh man, I wish. Stop I trying to take the attention away from my great joke. With, with your own and so we're going to do this now Dude, um, okay today's game because like honestly if you've tuned in to directly hear our opinions of the whole nine yards with Matthew Perry um <laughs> you're a fucking bizarre person <laughs> get help <laughs> seek help um uh today's game <laughs> is going to be called Chandler <laughs> or George W. Bush <laughs> okay just Chandler refer to the character of Chandler Bing or to Matthew Perry? Matthew Perry. As a character or as a person? As a person. Okay, so these are things he said not in mo in movies. These are facts that are either... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See, we're having fun, yeah, right? We're having fun right, again. That, that's hilarious. Um, uh, Matthew these... Perry does not care about black people. I... <laughs> <laughs> I went through and vetted all these, dude. A hundred percent. And made sure that they were all real. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Hey, nailed it. Um, and, um. I beat you to it. Here we go. Okay. Loves the show Lost. George Bush. Matthew Perry. Let's go. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Was addicted to alcohol and drugs. Both of them. Both. Yeah. The answer is both. Yeah. <laughs> had a realization after his 40th birthday party that he had to give up partying because it was destroying his life and torturing all of his relationships. Both of them. George W. Bush. Yeah, no, it's George Bush because Matthew Perry's way older than 40. <laughs> he just stopped he like last week. He was partying when he was like 20 <laughs> on Friends. Um, born in Williamstown, Massachusetts. Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Was a cheerleader in college. Matthew Perry. George W. Bush. Oh. Also owned the Texas Rangers for a time. <laughs> Favorite movie the is... The Walker Texas Rangers. <laughs> Favorite movie... Dude, we gotta bring Chuck Norris jokes back, dude. Shit <laughs> <laughs> killed. Favorite movie is Groundhog's Day. George Bush. Matthew Perry. Ah. Wow, you have gotten a tremendous amount of these wrong. I'm doing poorly. That means I did well. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're doing happened. poorly. It means I did well. Um, okay. That's how that's how I choose to take your L. Is <laughs> a double W. <laughs> Used to be ranked nationally in junior tennis. George W. Bush. Mm -mm. Matthew Perry. Wow. All right. <laughs> He's got the build for it. Cost nine eleven. <laughs> George Bush doesn't care about black people. That's it. That's the whole statement. It's probably a wash. That's George W. Bush. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, <laughs> Is that it? Uh, no. <laughs> cool. Once ran a marathon. Uh, George Bush. George Bush. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Has a dog named Alfred. Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Why did you say that so confidently? <laughs> <laughs> like to, let's get to let's get a window into Dan Endon's thought process here. I feel like you always hear about the names of the presidential dogs. I've never heard of never heard of a presidential Fair. Alfred. Fair logic. Yeah. 
Once surprised troops in Iraq for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Matthew Perry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is incorrect. It was George W. Bush. That's fucked up. Really rubbing their faces wow. in it. Huh? That was the closest I've ever gotten in this podcast <laughs> to like throwing up and spitting. George Bush out. went to rub those Marines' faces in what he did. He for sure did. <laughs> George Bush is a power model. And at, no, <laughs> and at no point was he self-aware about that. He was like, I'm going to go see the boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love how they, like, the media now treats George W. Bush like some, like, fairly old retarded man who, like, I know, everybody loves. I know, like, he's a gentle old soul who just, like, committed <laughs> war crimes all the time. Like, like by accident. Like, all they, of like, the time. They portray it as, like, he oopsied into kind yeah, of that right. situation. Like, it's like, it's like, I fucking hate Trump, but people are like, Trump's the worst president ever. I'm like, he's just, he was just, like, dumb. Like, George Bush was dumb and committed war crimes, like, every <laughs> single day. <laughs> like, woke up and, like, like, you know... Got a couple miles in on the fucking Nordic track, and then just like committed genocide, and then had lunch. Double kill. Um, all day double kill for George Bush. Lost. Final one. Okay. Thank God. But also, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, this has been in my car's uh, dashboard compartment. Dan's got a little dashboard confessional here. Love that band. Matt Healy from the 1975 side of Um. Lost part. Now listen to this one, because dude, I'm listening. This is crazy. Just get it. This out, one. Man. This one's crazy. The, Number twelve with the, with the drama. Lost part of his middle finger during preschool after his grandfather accidentally shut the car door on it. Matthew Perry. Yes. Okay. And that concludes the episode. Ten out of ten for a whole nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Right. Whole All nine right. yards time. Um, I have to say, Dan, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to strangle you as much as I usually do. All right. So that's a plus. And the word that came to mind, we've had a fraught, um, series when it comes to comedies. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm also, I also feel like a battered housewife kind of, and like, I've been in worse situations than this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like. My last boyfriend was a cop that punched both of my eyes out, and my current boyfriend is like a heroin addict chef who, when he gets in out of control fits of rage, occasionally strikes me. I don't care for this bit at all. <laughs> it's not about you all the time. <laughs> last, you know, it can all be like the last episode where a computer tells me to go fuck myself. Just you wait. Oh no, <laughs> no! Is there more in that folder? Just like me accusing you twice? Wow. This is the darkest two-episode strain. Welcome to the Thunderdome. This is fucked up. All right, well... Um... I may not prepare, <laughs> but the computer will do it for me. <laughs> well, we've gotten there, guys. Dan, after six seasons and 100 episodes, has officially outsourced his labor. Dan wanted contributions. Yeah, this is a, this is a real... Uh, not an Aladdin situation. More I went a, down to the Home Depot in my pickup truck and picked up a whole fucking gaggle of AI, AI computers to fill in for me today. This is... Yeah, this is uh, much more of a Wishmaster scenario than a Aladdin parable. Um, okay, so... Uh, whole nine yards. Um, 
why have we talked about this movie so many times in the podcast? Why do we do it now? I don't know. I don't have answers for that. Why is it a 911? <laughs> because episode? first I picked Cube and you didn't want to do it. I did cut that from the one episode, so only you and I know that. But yes, very early on in this me pick one, you pick one uh, situation, uh, it went it went bonkers, and Dan suggested something that I rejected like immediately. I think it was the first. It was the one. first thing I picked. Dan was like, "All right, don't tell me. We're gonna reveal it on air." And then I was like, "Are we gonna reveal picks on air?" And he was like, "I right. don't have a pick." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "All right, just do it." And I was like, "Cube." And you were like, "No." And I was like, "Okay." I still don't have a pick. I'm so worried right now. I don't. I've struggled. You literally messaged me to tell me that you were working on your pick days ago, dude. When when I say that fucking statement is accurate, <laughs> neither of us want do not to, spit out that neither expensive of scotch. Want us to want me to spit out fifteen years scotch? It's eighteen. Fuck. Um, do you know what I was doing eighteen years ago? I've been really struggling. Hard drug. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> these were these good episodes. This one and the last one. The or last really, one. The last or really one bad ones should probably be split into two. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's out on this one. <laughs> the last one should be split into two and then both parts deleted. <laughs> <laughs> I think we hit the desks no more than 20 times at least. Yeah. Somebody hit the desk. A whole nine yards, guys. Yeah. How far are we into this episode? We have not talked about the movie yet. More like the whole nine shards, am I right? What are we doing here? What's that? <laughs> what are we doing? What's the bit? You know, it's like a shard. Like of a crystal? Yeah, like of a molly rock. <sighs> Hate this. So <laughs> I guess we're even. Um, so today we're going to do a movie that Dan made me watch. That's really the premise as per usual. But listen. Dan picked Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain and I picked the whole nine yards. <laughs> this is our the difference in our vibes. Our vibes are way off. Our circadian rhythms are not. What are you a... Uh, we're, oh, our birthdays are the same. We're both Sagittarius. Yeah, Sagittarii. I didn't know if you were in like a leap year where they'd be like a frog or something. I don't know. No, no. Is that the Chinese calendar? The, is what the Chinese? When there's a frog? Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you serious? I'm going to go with this movie being delightful. Oh, let's go. No, no, no. Stop. Okay. This is not a let's go situation. Okay. Because as per usual... There were things in this. On thing. record saying this movie's delightful. Yeah, the word that came to mind was delightful. And, and the thing about this movie is that somehow, and this is what kind of makes it bad for podcasting, but somehow it's avoided becoming problematic. Okay. Like, there isn't anything in this movie that is like, for when it was made, who made it, and the people in it is particularly problematic. <laughs> it's a pretty wholesome story. It's not like, like, here's the thing. One more degree to the left... And instead of Amanda Pete, Chandler would have had like a retarded assistant. You know what I mean? We were that close to this movie being that bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But someone—I don't know if it was Chandler. I don't know if it was most likely the Jewish person who directed some, this some, movie. Someone reined it in a little bit. Somebody reined it in, and for that reason, some weird noir fan. This movie is able to hold up. As a 6.5 and like remain as a 6.5, <laughs> which is a meritorious accomplishment in the Movie Blues podcast. It's not like this movie started at a nine 
like Goodwill Hunting when it's actually like a four. Right. Um, this is more of a situation of this was always an aggressively average movie with enjoyable, delightful performances. And, um, you know, so it still is. And furthermore, and I want you to remember all this, dude. I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here. I'm really okay. t- T-balling you up here. Okay. Matthew Perry was delightful in this movie. Yeah, man. And doing the most that he could. I drew the line a few times. Okay? Okay. Because at his best, nervous comedy. Yeah, yeah. At his medium best, slapstick comedy. Yeah. At his worst, guttural weird noises that he's making <laughs> to sound like Kramer. Like, he'll say a line and then be like, <laughs> or like, and I was like, dude. Yeah, he was doing like some Jim Carrey shit. I was like, dude, no. <laughs> no. And here's the thing. Like, yes, you can see the sadness in Matthew Perry's eyes. Like, he's an <laughs> elephant at the zoo. <laughs> dude, the amount of makeup to take the bags under that man's eyes. Yes, they're putting him in what I would describe as male pregnancy clothes. <laughs> To either mask or obscure the shape of his body at all times. Like, he's in kind of like what Stanley Ipkiss wore in The Mask, but like size 4XL. The amount of parallels between this movie and The Mask stylistically is very odd. Very Art Deco feel to certain parts very of Very just movie. like pseudo self-aware noir feel, like with like that 90s jazz. Now, here's the thing. I wouldn't... Hold, hold on real quick about the Matthew Perry thing. Yeah. Kat and I really bonded over this movie, and we had, there was a moment, like, literally in the, like, home stretch where nothing even happened. Just Matthew Perry did, you know, the Matthew Perry face with his fucking eyes. And Kat just starts cackling with laughter, and I was like, what's going on? And she's like, just the fucking Matthew Perry face. Like, it never fails. Like, he's just, you know, you watch him, even if the movie's not good, he makes that face, you laugh. It's hilarious. And I was like, I agree, he's delightful. And she's like, he is delightful. I'm like, it's every episode of Friends. The whole time I'm like, this stinks. And then Matthew Perry looks at someone incredulously with his eyes. And I'm like, all right, that was funny. The man's funny. He's inherently funny. He's a delightful guy. Dude, there's a moment in this movie that kills me. Like, I'm a little kid with laughter. I barely laugh at this movie. But the laugh that I get at the same part every time of Bruce Willis tossing him the beer and it just flying past him with him having no idea. I laugh like a child at that. It's mm-hmm. so fucking funny to me. Some good some good moments in there. Dude, this movie's odd. <laughs> <laughs> it's way darker than I remember. Like, from Jump Street, it's incredibly odd. Like, you're presented with Matthew Perry's... Like, I remember, if you asked me the plot, I'd be like, all right, Matthew Perry and his wife have a bad marriage. The, but, like, the... You fr- don't remember, like, Matthew Perry is a Canadian dentist? I, I knew that he was a dentist. I forgot it was Canadian, but... I didn't remember that it's like Roseanne Arquette and her mom in the in the fucking kitchen, like him coming down being like, hey, how are you guys doing? And they're like, I want you to die. <laughs> and like, they're like, like snickering about it. It's so weird and mean spirited. They were like, it'll only be funny if Matthew Perry's life is shown to be pure hell. <laughs> because we can't cast him as someone whose life is not in shambles because he shows up to set in shambles. He can't play a well-adjusted person. He cannot. Yeah. I mean, there's certain shots of this movie where Matthew Perry's, like, doing a shtick and clearly, like, has something planned out. And then there's certain 
performance moments from him in this movie where clearly he was like fucking a prostitute on heroin and they were like Matthew you good and he was like (laughs) (laughs) I mean like oh man it's it's not a movie like I would ever tell anyone they should see or like go out of their way to see but it's a movie that like if (laughs) if an old person was like in the retirement home and it was on TBS that I would be like no 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 grandma watch this this is enjoyable and i could watch it with my granny and we could be like it's like in the analyze this yeah yeah, adjacent absolutely eu of like pleasant monster movies exactly which i find to be it's um, a fallacy to begin with i have a by way of oh boy it's a gross gross point blank by way of a sort of funny movie it was sort of funny um Dude, I mean, Kevin Pollock's in this picture. Tell me your grandma's not ready for Kevin Pollock. Ke- Dude, Kevin Pollock <laughs> is doing an accent in this movie. <laughs> Dude, that, like... His accent is wild in this You movie. can't even tell. Like, I, he's Is he Russian? Yeah. You can't tell what... All right, so, like, for example, <laughs> there's a character on the original lineup of, of um, Star Trek named Chekhov, and he had a very light Russian accent, right? Like... It, almost unnoticeable at times. But then sometimes he would be like, yes, we must board the vessel. And you'd be like, holy shit, what is wrong with that person's mouth? Yeah. This performance from Kevin Pollock is like a guy from Brooklyn, essentially, or Kevin Pollock, <laughs> yeah. at all times, but then also not being able to pronounce words that a Russian person would... It, it would be like, if you were to switch it, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. Okay. But if this character was Chinese. Right, right. And had a perfectly fine American accent. Yeah. And then, you know, did the thing. Yeah, Just, like, yeah. said Westeron or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's painful. It's very like, wild. It's very weird, and it's like, whose idea was this? Was right. this, like, a, from a directing it's point of sure view? It's for sure a directing like, point of view, because, you know, Kevin Pollack is great at voices. Right, which is even more puzzling. Like, what was going on here? That's what I'm saying. This movie's very odd. It's full of very That's fucking That's like an irresponsible choice. Um, here's a medium warm take. Maybe a hot take. I'm going to... Do not go crazy for this fucking movie. I think... I'm going to lose my no, mind. No, just relax. I think... <laughs> no, just relax. I think Kevin Pollack is a top Jew. Mm-hmm. Like a great American Jew. He's a power top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, do you ever watch Kevin Pollock's podcast? I bet he fucks. Dude, Kevin Pollock's podcast, <laughs> that dude's just like a classic old-timey comedian dude. Like, his podcast is just him talking to the camera. He does Christopher Walken impressions all day. Classy. For 10 years, dude. People write into the show, and they're like, yo, can you do Christopher Walken wishing Dave a happy birthday? And he's like, hey, Dave, it's crazy. So, let's... <laughs> Kevin Pollock, wait, hold on. You haven't watched Marvelous Miss Maisel, right? I have. You have? Kevin I watched Pollock, the first two seasons. Kevin Pollock's character, yeah, the season three, it falls off dramatically. I got but, sick of it, pretty sick of it. Uh, Kevin Pollock in that show is hilarious. I don't even remember him being in it. He's uh, the husband's dad. He's the Jew. Yeah, he is. That's his whole vi- duty. He is That's hilarious. his whole vibe. Dude. All right, here we go. You ready to start the movie? Here we go. Yeah. Me when I start this movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, like, you have to you have to understand where I'm coming from. Uh, again, very abused person. It starts with, like, Jay and Silent Bob music. <laughs> I, I've, I had a week of dealing with being abused by you and a robot in between watching this movie. And, and yes, Dan. And yes, Dan. Okay. 
It starts with an original soundtrack that mostly consists of MIDI instruments <laughs> playing sneaky Jane Silent Bob music. And so it did. It was literally like, I, it's just like. But with dude, saxophone, I, dude, it made it so sleazy sounding, dude. It was like the crash score. I'll give you almost. that it was better than, than what we're comparing it to. But when it began, I was like, I can't, I, like, I should shut this podcast down. <laughs> I was like, if I hate this movie, not in a like, let's make fun of it and have fun way. If if this is like a painful watch for me, I'm going to kill myself. And that's all I have. Left. Keeping in mind that the only purpose of watching this was so that we could get to the whole 10 yards. Yeah, but, you know, you'd have to use that as a choice for yeah, the foreseeable and I, future. And I did. Use that as a token. What do you mean you did? No, I mean, I, I used this as the choice to get there. We'll get okay, there. All right. This is the stepping stone. Yeah, we'll get there. And when you do that, I have to do Lawnmower Man too. Now it's in the ether. It's out there. Yeah. What if I just picked Armageddon again? <laughs> There's no, like, the thing. I've, I couldn't I've, do I've, it. I've it's thought hard, about that so many break. times. There's just no way we Me could too. record a better episode than the one that we did that one time. Once again, greatest lost episode of all time, Armageddon. Somewhere on the what servers? What was the name of that dumb fucking website we used? Beat Jizz. What uh, was it? Uh, the, the Soundtrap. <laughs> the Soundtrap. Owned by Spotify. Fuck you, Harrison. You, do, I thought he works for SoundCloud. Oh, never mind. But you probably know people who work there. Yeah, fuck so All you Jews are connected. <laughs> uh, now's the time of the episode that we like to let all of our new users uh, understand that we are Jewish. Yeah. Uh, my mom is Jewish, which, by the way, if you are one of the people out there who says uh, they are Jewish or half Jewish, if their father is the only Jewish one, you are a fucking liar. Yeah. And you'll burn in Jewish hell, stop, which is known as shit-old. Stop appropriating our culture. <laughs> Speaking of appropriating Jewish culture, let's get back to this Matthew Perry movie. Dude, this movie is in all ways, shapes, and forms just, like, the most aggressively 90s comedy. Like, they just do not make movies like this. Like, I, I have a thought that this is the last 90s comedy. That can't be true. Like... This was this wasn't that late in the nineties, was it? This was like the end of ninety nine. What really? Yeah, that's a long time ago, dude. Like, this is like right before they transitioned comedies into make be, being like real movies. Mm -hmm. This is so weird and fucking just slapdick together. They were like, "We need a Matthew Perry vehicle," and they were like, "We can get Bruce Willis," and they were like, "Fucking." Make that right now. I looked up nothing about this movie. I would guarantee you it was probably written for somebody else, though, right? Matt, I, I don't know. I would assume it was written for, like, someone more talented than Matthew Perry, and everyone said no to it. I bet it was written for Matthew Perry. It screams Matthew Perry. Neither of us did the research for this one? No. Is that what we're getting at here? Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll take a pause at one point and check IMDb, yeah. see if there's anything fun out there. Because somebody didn't think it was worth putting a commentary track on the DVD. And somebody else was too busy constructing a comparison <laughs> between George Bush, 9-11, and <laughs> the character Chandler from Friends yeah, to deal with any of this. Somebody wrote a whole podcast episode on AI while also being mad at people for doing AI artwork. <laughs> Shout out, Nick. <laughs> you hack. Um, He's not listening to this one. Matthew Perry is depressed, hates his life, and wants to kill himself. Classic Dan Endon protagonist. <laughs> and also, my God, the range. Uh, then we zoom in on Quebec. Dude, did you? I started reading Matthew Perry's book. It's literally just the script to this movie. Hard pass. No, um, <laughs> then uh, we zoom in on Quebec, and instantly I was getting, like, Little Italy vibes all over the place from this movie. This is... All right, so this is like the spiritual prequel to Little Italy. We talked last episode about the like going back to watch things you loved as a childhood and like seeing them through this new whatever lens that we have now. 
and it is so crazy to me the hyper awareness I have for things being shot in Canada that just flew like never even registered for me as a kid because now the second I see something in Canada you know I know that it's cheaper to film there I know all the tax breaks they get all the films are semi-funded by the government you're constantly seeing movies take place in Canada because they're cheaper to make like Little Italy and this one I, immediately as soon as I you're realized, telling me that wasn't a choice I you're telling me that Little Italy wasn't devised as highlighting the Italian American community in Toronto yeah. or outside I, of I Toronto. I feel like they applied for a permit in Manhattan and they were like, no. Aiden <laughs> <laughs> Christensen was like, if I'm going to do Italian face, it's not going to be on the streets of yeah, New York. Yeah, they were like, is James Franco in this movie? And they were like, no. Hayden Christensen. They were like, get out of here. With the spray tan? Yeah. <laughs> they were like, what? And they were like, all we can do is fucking uh, Tony Danza. And they were like, oh, we do love Tony. I really, I know very little about Hayden Christensen, but I want to say he was homeschooled. There's no way he was not homeschooled <laughs> with that name, dude. Right? Or if he's not homeschooled, he went to public school in Connecticut. Did you see the recent photo of him that arose where he's wearing a Grateful Dead hat? No. And it's not... It's not like a just like a steely that you would get like an Aeropostale right, or something right. like that. It's like um, and you'll have to excuse me because the Grateful Dead are terrible. I know nothing about them, but if I were to know something about them, there's probably some legendary transition between two songs. Dan's Jewish and just kicked off his fucking Kanye sneakers. Hell yeah. Um, they're called Yeezys. Now they're just called Adidas's. Adidas. Because he's fired. Purchase of these foam runners went straight to the Jews at Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> straight out of the hands of a dangerous black man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your mom would support your commitment to free speech. Because <laughs> I've been deemed with mental health. Um, <laughs> whole nine yards. <laughs> um, delightful. Uh, Quebec, Little Italy vibes. Felt it. Um... Dude, Amanda sleazy Pete. 90s jazz the whole time. Let's talk about Amanda Pete a little bit. I would love to talk about Amanda Pete. Amanda that Pete. goddamn angel. <laughs> He'll turn in this movie. <laughs> Did, you Is, see it? Uh, Did you see it coming at all? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, who could see <laughs> who could see a plot development so insane? <laughs> Wasn't that wild, dude? It happens. Dude, this movie starts out like it's going to be any other shitty 90s comedy and then just hits you with so many plot points so rapid fire. It's just like a whirlwind of just like, wait, what? Amanda Peet's heel turn in this movie is legendary. Dude, this movie's got Harlan Williams. So, a brie brief summary. Brief summary, even though the movie's not as fresh as I want it to be right now. But from what I recall, Matthew Perry is a dentist in Quebec. Yeah. He lives with a woman who absolutely hates him. Roseanne Arquette. Who is French-Canadian, played by Roseanne Arquette. I can't say if it was... a one of the better accents I've heard, but it was something. It was a it was a killer accent. Yeah, I thought it was either really good or really bad, and I couldn't at times tell. Which. Her vibe is hilarious in this movie. Her vibe was like, um, the girl, the stoner girl from Jackie Brown, but like way more aggressive. <laughs> I was gonna say she was like her character in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> that woman has had the weirdest career, like in I know, history. I know. That's like what happens if you're five percent too ugly as a woman in Hollywood, yeah. and they're like, you will be the weirdest fucking character yeah. in every movie that you're in. <laughs> what? It Damn, that's another connection to Friends, the Arquettes, dude. Dude, it's the the 
connections, man. Dude. The Illuminati. This movie. You know who's on top. Yeah, I fucking do. And it's Jews it's like Chaboy. Matthew Perry. It's Chaboy. It was me. Yeah. It was me. <laughs> I made this movie. What? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did not know that. Um. All right. So Kanye the, was right. Basic plot of this movie is that... Um, Matthew Perry, um, who is a dentist in Canada, get that under your belt, because that's a tough fact for me to <laughs> swallow early on, but I did, um, gets uh, a new neighbor, and that neighbor is played by Bruce Willis. He's playing uh, a gangster named The Tulip. Yeah, Jimmy The Tulip Tedeschi. And Jimmy The Tulip is just Bruce Willis playing himself 100%, oh, yeah. as per usual. Yeah. You can tell his hatred for Matthew Perry is real. <laughs> it's it's as real as anything I've ever seen on screen. Just two alcoholics on the screen. Two alcoholics, <laughs> but that did not get along, clearly. <laughs> clearly, Bruce Willis wanted to strangle Matthew Perry every step of the no, way. No, dude, that's just his range. Um, Matthew Perry, when I say he's playing the character Chandler oh, Also, this Bruce Willis' next movie after The Sixth Sense. <laughs> what was his next movie after The Sixth Sense? Is that what you said? No, I'm saying it was this. This is this, Bruce Willis. This. <laughs> Went from yeah, the sense this immediately was, to this. This was like received really well for him, I remember. Yeah, yeah, this was People huge. at the time were like, oh, Bruce Willis, like comedy and drama. Yeah. Whatever. He's a he's a great straight man. He is a great straight man. He's a cis You legend. just need a clown. <laughs> <laughs> cis king. <laughs> Never turned his for back. For real. Never turned his back like Travolta. His ex more Dude, divorced Demi more and she still came to his rose bruce willis one of the straightest men of all time <laughs> yeah. i don't know man the bruno that was pretty return gay. of the bruno why should someone be gay ask bruno <laughs> he got into those pool tournaments you know what i mean things get dicey late at night at those pool bars yeah with that big <laughs> microphone what is it harmonica in your mouth yeah i um I had a. Uh, I was by the try way, to bring wait, you a, wait right. put a pin in that. Whatever you're about to say. <laughs> so there's a transition in this movie. This is one thing I know about this movie that I looked up. Maybe I did see some trivia. But there's a transition in this movie where Bruce Willis is like, you know, however he ends every scene, he's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. And then they cut to a, a city skyline and Bruce Willis is ripping harmonica over a blues song. <laughs> and instantly I knew, again, this is just a shot of skyline. Instantly I knew that's Bruno. Fucking, <laughs> what do they call it when you're ripping a harmonica? They're like, that's him blowing the yeah. fucking keys. Yeah. That's him blowing up there. Yeah. And then I had, I guess I did look at IMDb. I watched the credits to confirm. And it was like, that is Bruce Willis yeah. playing fucking harmonica. Yeah. And I was like, Wow, like the restraint of someone not to have like worn a Planet Hollywood fucking jacket <laughs> in this movie is extreme. I know the fact that it was Ving one... Rhames wasn't in a Planet I... Hollywood jacket. Or no, not Michael Ving Clark Rames. Duncan. Relax. Wow, whoa, cut that. Yeah, cut that. Dark, like, Rachel. For real. Uh, That's how I know where I got racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, Ving Rhames. Uh, Pick Dun it up, Dawn of the Dead. What? Was he in Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, of course. No, dude, that was Idris Elba. No, it's not. It's Ving Rhames. Cut. cut this. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, Chandler. 
Yeah, my man. He is Chandler in this movie. Indistinguishable. Yeah, he's Chandler. If they would have said, this is what happened to Chandler Bing after he had to leave Monica because her restaurant burned down and she died in a grease fire. <laughs> okay. And he began... <laughs> No, okay, Plot so the, twist. the point is not the narrative connection. The point is he's playing the exact same. It's His shtick is like his shtick, which I didn't know because, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Matthew Perry vehicle. It's which, this. Which, when you say, like, Matthew Perry vehicle, when you say vehicle, you mean, like, this is the chance for this actor to do blank. And it's just like, in this case, it's just like, be himself. Yeah, go to the bank, baby. <laughs> Go to the bank, King. Uh, I would love to watch the next one. I guess we'll get around to the that The next one, one is like, it's like classic sequel of a semi-subdued sequel from that time vibes, where like, they just like, <laughs> went way off the rails with it literally immediately. Because <laughs> they were like, what if it's that but bigger? But what's hmm. funny about this movie is that it's not big, despite being so ludicrous. Hall 10 Yards is... A weird, weird movie. Is it? Yes. Okay. It makes me kind of excited. It's very weird. Very weird in like a sexy way? Kinda. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. Well, the mystery's there for me. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, Not that I enjoyed this movie. I'm just saying. (laughs) Just for me, you know me, I have to like when I see a movie and it has a sequel, has to happen. Yeah, man. Gotta see where they took it. Dude, the whole ten yards is a great sequel name. Is it, Dan? Because yeah, it's right there. the thing for me is like they very clearly in this film set up the phrase whole nine yards. I know, I was like I was like Leo. Delivered it. He's pointing like Leo. <laughs> Deli- he's squinting like Leo. That was very convincing. I feel like you practiced that. I before. got the same range as Leo. <laughs> That's true, just being yourself. Uh, just being a handsome devil. Thanks, man. Um yeah, um, can't imagine where they would really take the story from here, but psyched to, psyched to check it out one day. Wouldn't be surprised if you just told me that was the next movie we had to do. <laughs> um, I thought about it. So, um, really uh, enjoyed certain parts of this movie. It's like not a, like a mature experience of any kind. It's it's a farce. It's farcical. Um, <laughs> it has a lot of like humor that at some points is so dated that it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like what? I'll give you a good example of okay. that one. There's a point in the movie where Matthew Perry is like, do you think I'm suicidal? And another character says, well, you are a dentist. It happens like five times in this movie. Yeah, but like that's... What? There's, it's a recurring theme. The dentists commit suicide thing throughout the movie. Yeah, but what? What? Yeah, it's funny, because suicide. See, I think this is proving the point that it doesn't make sense. Like, what is funny about... Why dentists specifically? Uh, statistically, it, it's just... You never heard that? The dentists are the... No! The most, like, the, yeah, that's like a common thing in culture. That dentists commit suicide. Yeah, and it's true. Statistically, dentists... Where the fuck has this been? Google, Stati- Google it on Why your dentists? I don't know. This is the first time you've heard this? Yeah, I've never heard this before. Ever. I'm... Dentists commit suicide. So I've heard it numerous times, and I'm relatively sure that that's the truth. Bullshit. And I'll tell you why. This is is just the medical community 
reputizing dentistry. It's the the kind of treatment that firefighters should receive Jesus. that only dentists receive. Firefighters are like the <laughs> the massage therapists of cops. <laughs> what the fuck? Pseudoscience, man. All right, all right, listen. Male dentists hold the highest suicide rate at 8.02%. What? For what reason? The- What's the correlation? I don't know. I would have to read more. Why isn't my weed pen working? It's just not working. Even as recently as August 16, 2022, recent studies report that dentists held the highest suicide rate at 7.8% for men. What the fuck? All right. Okay. I guess we have to move on. But that's, I mean, that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. I'm not sure what the correlation is there. Neither am I, but it's a real thing. So Because mouths are yucky? I mean, they are. So I don't let them near me. Uh, plot point in this movie. So, yeah, movie. so yeah, they make light of this by joking about Matthew Perry being suicidal because he looks like he is the entire, entire time. Plot point of this movie, Chandler's father-in-law, Dennis, was molesting a male patient? <laughs> yes. What are we doing here? Yeah, that was real, a real throwaway. What are we doing here? That was here? such a throwaway line, that too. That was. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, like, my dad was like, molesting one of his male patients but it's not a big deal and, they literally and he's just... like he's like he's like yeah he was molesting his patient and they were asleep and it was a guy <laughs> um the idea that like matthew perry and his family and this is like the impetus for his character a lot is deeply living in debt while also living in like a million dollar mansion is quite interesting it's all explained <laughs> um Really, the biggest takeaway from this movie for me is just that Bruce Willis is fucking cool. Yeah, he's a cool cute. He's cool as a cute. He's got dude. a timeless vibe. He's like one of the least problematic on-screen assholes in history. Yeah, the goat, the goat at being a straight white man. He just cannot do wrong. Like he mind. is what all straight white men should aspire to be. Sis King. Mm. <laughs> I even had. Right at the top, Michael Clark Duncan. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. And this is something I... I didn't know what to think about. Clearly, when this movie was written, again, speaking as somebody who did not check in on facts here, sorry, Andre, who pointed out that our Kubrick episode was, quote, rife with errors. (laughs) Did he say that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... That's hilarious. Be a guest on the show, bitch. I would assume that Michael Clark Duncan's character and by assume I mean I guarantee you was written for an Italian man the character's name is Frankie Figs I know Figueroa and he all of his dialogue is something that an Italian gangster and not a large black man would say I don't know what he's like to Amanda Pete he's like you fine as hell though that was improv <laughs> yeah that was improv he's like, and I'm, sexual harassment he's like I'm coming for that ass that was sexual harassment yeah for sure and that she loved it made me feel very and, and the cuts to her giggling like that was hilarious BTW Amanda Pete sexually exploited by this movie all the time the whole time the whole movie yeah the whole nine very weird Pete. oh I, I'm coming around to my point here which was from an hour ago which was whole nine yards makes sense they tee it up it's a plot point in the movie. Yeah, they say it. What is going to happen in whole 10 yards? Nobody's <laughs> going to say that. No. Are you saying no and then winking? 
Are you winking because somebody says whole ten yards? I don't know. Okay, fair enough. He's doing desperate eye motions. <laughs> He's trying to tell me the truth. Um, even with sunglasses on, you can tell that Bruce Willis hates Matthew Perry. Love it. Great energy <laughs> coming from both of them. Dude, it's palpable hatred. <laughs> um, it's like, dude, it's like the fucking the Die Hard movie with Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, that's a... You want to talk about palpable on-screen hatred? <laughs> um, yeah, Frankie Figs. Um, I just feel like at that day and age, like, when they realized they were going to cast my, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, a.k.a. Ving Rhames. Unreal. <laughs> like, like su such a common error 15 right. years ago. They don't even bother to change any of the dialogue. They just let it roll in, and it's just, like, very bizarre and a little bit problematic. And I think truly there's a scene of molestation in this movie or several towards the end that I'm having trouble struggling a little bit recommending this movie. <laughs> but I think there was a crime committed against Amanda Peet. I'm having such a hard time not telling you about whole 10 yards, some of the shit that happens in that movie. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I mean, yeah. Yeah, Amanda Ama Amanda Pete is like Amanda Pete is literally the only multi-dimensional character in this entire film and they treat her like a literal fuck toy. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> tough, tough to watch that. Um uh, Natasha Henstridge uh, yeah. from Species, Michael Clark Duncan, Matthew Perry and more actors whose careers are shit in the early 2000s. <laughs> Dude, uh, it's gotten to the point where watching a movie from the early 2000s has like a haunted failure quality to it <laughs> where like half or more of the people on screen are either dead, almost dead, or had a horrible life of sadness that you can almost like smell through the screen. Yeah. Love it. I was reading an interview. I, I Googled. I was like, what happened to Amanda Peet? And it was like an article that was clearly <laughs> commissioned by like her agent uh -huh. about like, you know, how she's like found a, uh, a steady career in TV but how she's made complaints about, um, you know, being typecast and how the film industry just always wanted to cast her as, you know, this, like, sex object and, like, bimbo woman. And I'm just like, look at all of the roles you selected when you were in movies. Literally all of them are that. Of course you're going to get typecast as that. There was some problematic stuff in this movie now that I'm... Dude, what's that? There's another. Now that I'm thinking there's about a, it, the, the next Amanda Peet movie after this was uh, Tomcats. Did you ever see that? Yes, I saw that in theaters. And that movie is with uh, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. And that movie is like her also character in bad. this times Freddie yeah. Got Fingered. Yeah, real bad. Insane. Real problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that movie's fucked up. We should put that on the list. I found a lot of things problematic. I found a lot of details good. I like that Matthew Perry in a scene where he's in a hotel is brushing his teeth with an electronic toothbrush. I felt like that was very accurate for a dentist. And for that reason, I'm just not used to that level of detail in the end inverse. And was like, like he's like brushing his teeth with an electronic toothbrush. And I was like, that's pretty clever. Yeah. I was like, okay, this movie's got it going on. It's got a brain cell. Yeah. Oh yeah. This movie, dude, this movie has a couple brain cells. This movie has some really good moments of like, like, you know, we're being a noir, but, like, right. we recognize that that's insane, an insane way to act in real life. 
Speaking of insane way to act in real life, <laughs> Matthew Perry's relationship with Jimmy the Tulip's wife in this movie, mega problem for me, mm. comes out of nowhere. Like his his yeah. Matthew Perry could not like the fact that after Zero this, chill. after this, they cast him in more romantic comedies. They saw this and they were like, he can carry a romantic lead. Oh my that God. dude giving dialogue like like sincere dialogue is so cringe. I do not know what it was more painful or unbelievable. Natasha Natasha Henstridge being a cigarette smoker when she is like <laughs> porcelain skin. Yeah, right. Or that she would ever in a thousand eons fuck Matthew Perry. Especially with the way that he is acting in this movie. <laughs> I know. He's such a beta in this movie. The third most painful element to this movie for me was just watching a gangster movie. Not that was a comedy, because that's been done well many times, but wherein Matthew Perry's character wasn't shot in the head instantly. <laughs> like, the amount of time that he has kept around these mafiosos without being murdered is the most difficult-to-swallow part of this movie for right. me, along with his relationship with the, the mob boss, was, like... When I say he comes on strong, yeah, it is disgusting. I mean, speaking of difficult to swallow, can we talk about the relationship between Roseanne Arquette and Harlan Williams in this movie? Jesus Christ, Harlan Williams, <laughs> when he showed up in this movie, I was like, the fucking circle is complete, dude. <laughs> dude fucking early 2000s This movie forces you to reckon with the f truth that Harlan Williams has sex in a way that I was not prepared for. That is chilling, right? Dude, like... We have a Harlan Williams sex scene. The only sex scene in this movie, really, is featuring Harlan Williams. And then there's a Harlan Williams blowjob scene. And <laughs> did you notice that there's, like, there's like the, the moment where, like, something surprising happens and it, like, surprise reveals that he's getting a blowjob in the car. And there's a little sound effect of, like, the mouth disengaging from his dick. Mm. Like a little, like... No, I didn't And then Roseanne Arquette gets up like this, dude. Like, Ugh. Kevin Smith levels of fucking mouth wiping. Does he mouth wipe hard? He's a mouth wiper? I mean, in his movies, it's just there's always, like, well, dick, yeah, I mean, dick sucking. When you have slap a, stickery. a career that mostly involves, like, they would call it, like, jizz gurgling <laughs> at least once in your movie, then, yes, that is going to be common theme. Yeah, right. Um, Matthew Perry's shtick in this movie is 50% Kramer. But then 50% William Shatner. <laughs> yes. Where he's dude. like, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do next. Yes. Yes. Who? Bing, bing. <laughs> like he's like doing like he'll do a little shat and then a little cream. My man end. wears his influences on his sleeves. He'd be like, are you serious? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> it was questionable. His shtick was like at points in this movie, like Jesus, dude, like you're. Just knowing his career didn't go anywhere. <laughs> there are moments where I'm like, that makes sense. That that makes sense. And then there are moments where I'm like, he's pretty delightful. He's almost Jewish. He wishes he was. Yeah. But. Did you? He's got like I feel like we can claim him. Do you think so? He's got big Jewish vibes. His anxiety is yes, palpable. But my uh, many people have a gaydar. Mine's completely broken. I'm really bad at that. But I have like a like not a Jewdar. Okay. But a a. A dar for goyim who resemble Jews. Okay, and that's got to be. You have like a Jew Haven't face. Haven't looked dar. it up. Yep, he's total Jew face. This whole movie's Jew face 
prop. <laughs> His character shtick is like literal cultural appropriation in this movie. Yeah. Like he owes everything to Judaism. He doesn't know that. Someone's probably like Googled it by now and he's a hundred percent. Yeah, right. But I get the vibe from him like he grew up around funny Jewish people, wanted to be that yeah, funny. David Schwimmer. And drove himself insane over. Dude. It. And he's, here's the thing. He's literally playing. I'm a drummer. And I drove myself insane on being one eightieth as ill at drums as a black dude. Right. And I can't do that still. Right. Yeah. It can happen. And like Matthew Perry, as hard as he wishes, he just shouldn't play gospel music on the kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not for him. It's never gonna be for him. I don't so. agree, man. Matthew Perry. You're claiming him. I, I feel good about it. I would take him in the racial draft. High. Yeah. High draft pick. Well, you're like in the non-Zionist Jew part of that draft. You're not part yeah, of the Yeah, the objective tribe. part. You're not You're not part of the main tribe. The one causing war crimes. Right. Quote, unquote. Alleged. So cool how uh, Israel... Netanyahu innocent. It's so cool how fucking <laughs> Israel got their boy back. You talking about Adam Sandler? <laughs> Like, Netanyahu is, like, Israel's version of how Stella got her groove back. When you said got, got their boy back, you meant Kanye? I meant Netanyahu. No. Um, so... Classic end in verse trope number 368. Okay. Ready for this? Yeah. And you're a real music head, so you'll like this one. Okay. Now, you have a movie soundtrack. Are you talking about Original how the ending credits is a full jazz concert? No, I turned that off immediately. It was wild. It was I thought surely terrible. there'd be a mid credit scene, and there was not. It was just a jazz concert So of a dude ripping on bass. Yes. I was, <laughs> I was out. I was hard out. I was like, I was like, Dan, let me know if there was a I was sitting there, and I was like, I was like, this shit is hip. This shit is hip, fam. Dan in verse trope number 368,000. Okay. You're listening to the soundtrack of a movie. It's Jay and Silent Bob music, as you would assume. But mood's about to change in the movie. Something's about to happen. <laughs> Things are maybe we're gonna cut to a skyline. That's honestly these movies that he likes are like twenty percent skyline <laughs> shots. I like exteriors. A, I like a nice city. And half of them are stock, and these <laughs> movies are being shot in the California back lot. But before the Jay and Silent Bob music begins. There's a bent bass note. That's when you know things are about to change in these movies. It goes, <laughs> it was literally Seinfeld esque. It was like, boom, yeah, boom, boom, yeah. But it was like a, it was like a Seinfeld synth bass, like a boom, boom, yeah. It was, it was classic. I'm not gonna say I didn't pick up my bass to start fucking with it. Hate you. I literally wrote in my note, whatever this genre of jazz is, is the best genre of jazz. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. It's like what a person who's never been new to New Orleans <laughs> would book in the scene of a movie taking place in New Orleans. That is the genre that we're talking about. I described it to Dan through text as if the paintings in Fraser's apartment had a musical genre. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, that, that's I, hilarious. Just dissonant pitch bent bass note. Love it. <laughs> Classic end in verse. I know. I laughed out loud when that happened. Um, I was like, this movie, these are my brothers. Matthew Perry shtick in this movie is operating at the nervousness of Mark Wahlberg in the Alfred Molina firecracker scene from Boogie Nights from End to End. <laughs> he is so unsettled in every fucking scene in this movie. Which, I mean, rightfully so in some cases, but like, 
there's no less than like 25 spit takes in this movie. It's <laughs> a gr- you were talking about fades in the fountain. Like Matthew Perry does so much glass work in this movie. He's walking into glass doors. He's falling through glass tables. He's, he's like dropping dude, glasses of booze. There are multiple he's scenes, glasses of liquor behind there, there him. are multiple scenes where the entire scene comedic beat is Matthew Perry not being able to get comfortable on a seat. <laughs> dude, I'm just putting him on a beanbag chair. <laughs> Um, whole nine. I'm gonna be honest, dude. That shot of him, like she's just sitting nice and poised, and he's like trying to keep himself on the stack in the garage, and he's slowly falling, and they really milk it. Cat and I were howling, just like in tears. Shout out, Rachel. I did not make you watch this movie. Love you, Rachel. To like this movie, I don't. Mm, yeah, she's kind of a Chandler stand. I can't believe this. You put her through fucking Black Swan and all these fucking Arnowski movies, and you're like. She loved all those. You're like, take a lap. Take a lap, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Whole nine yards. Yeah. 58 minutes, 59 seconds before I laughed out loud. (laughs) And it was Amanda Peet tripping down a hill. (laughs) And in the IMDb trivia came to find that that, in fact, was real. And that she tripped (laughs) on her platform shoe and almost fell down. And they got it on camera. And that was the take that they used. Hell yeah. Funniest part of the entire movie completely by accident had nothing to do with matthew perry dude matthew perry not catching the beer is one of the funniest shots that's ever happened in a movie um no joke another thing that makes me uncomfortable in this movie canted angles now (laughs) there there are movies where like there are movies where like canted angles show up and are bad overused terrible there are movies where why don't you explain to the listener what the fuck you're talking about? a canton angle is when a shot is shot from anything but straight on it's got a little bit of a pitch to it it's meant to originally make the viewer feel a sense of discomfort um that is the main goal of a canton angle it's just anything on an angle um take a picture of your dog make it black and white put it on an angle Whole it's gonna be yards, a little scary <laughs> um so um uh the canton angles in this movie actually made me feel really uncomfortable (laughs) because like they would be up close on matthew perry who's having like his 11th mental breakdown in this movie (laughs) and the angles canton and i'm like ooh, i feel uncomfortable like low-key like uncut gem stress in this movie of like (laughs) matthew perry but fucking his own life, like from end to it's end. It's a very stressful situation. It's a stressful situation. Dude, and the way the characters talk in exposition dumps is hilarious in this movie. I have a note is problematic. Okay. I'm going to tell you that up front. I've been trying to decipher it for a while. Okay. I wrote Michael Clark Duncan, basketball player energy. <laughs> okay. And I skipped over it and have been thinking about it, and I remember what I was getting at here. Because they gave Michael Clark Duncan all Italian lines of dialogue, he's like, You specifically wanted me to drop you off at the automobile center? Like, like saying words, pronouncing them, overpronouncing them, saying like what a gangster would say, and they make him like kind of marble mouth some of his lines so you can really feel like he's reading his lines. It's like when you see like Charles Barkley in Space Jam. And he's like, oh, I'll see you at the gym. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you are reading that off of a massive cue card with like 172 font on it. Yeah, right. Um, basketball player energy. Because they just like, they didn't know dunk. You know what? They didn't know how to do dunk. And weirdly enough, 
when I went to Planet Fitness for the first time in a few months the other day, Green Mile was on, a movie that I don't love. <laughs> Big gym energy. <laughs> but watched that, and Dunk is really good in that movie. Oh, yeah. When, when you use the Dunk right, fucking slays. Rest in peace, King. Pulp Fiction, great movie. That's Ving Rhames. I know, I know. <laughs> the Mission Impossible franchise, excellent. God, if you didn't know that that was Ving Rhames, that would have been amazing. Um, Matthew Perry and so many fat-hiding costumes in this movie. You think when they shot it, they were hiding a pregnancy? <laughs> um, a solid 20 minutes of the movie is uh, the lost art of slapstick comedy, and it's not funny. <laughs> A lot of slapstick. Just yeah. too, too much for uh, me. It's hilarious. I think Matthew Perry, not the best physical performer. I think it's the perfect amount of slapstick comedy. The perfect amount. Dan Enton. Put that on the box. Yeah. Really feeling like Amanda Pete, her character, are being sexually objectified. Feel like I'm witnessing a crime. That's a problem. But this did launch her career and launched her onto MrSkin.com. And mm. for that, we will all be forever grateful. Mm-hmm. That said, mm. your boy, D.S., Arguably the host of the movie blues podcast. Movie blues podcast. The, the, the movies had seen those boobies many times from that clip, but hey, at, don't review her boobies. At no time did I know what part of the movie in context was this clip from. Okay, I only knew it as this is something I touch my Peter to. <laughs> okay, she has an amazing body. That's as far as I'll go. She's a gorgeous woman. Are you talking about her in the hallway or her in the window? In the window. Okay. Yeah. That's the classic Amanda Pete. And no, Shot. and in the hallway. Yeah. I saw both like on Mr. Skin. Naturally. Probably. Naturally. Um, and I was like, damn, that's some hot, sexy shit. Then you watch the movie, dude. And that scene is <laughs> rough. <laughs> Amanda Pete like caused, like does a massacre, <laughs> like cold blooded murders, a whole house full of people, like a freaking school shooter. And it was dark. Yeah, they gave her her agency. And not only that, but the doubling down of the movie's plot to suggest that Amanda Peet's heel turn, which is she, you actually find out that she's in love with Hitman, is a huge Yeah, she's Hitman like a stand. Hitman scholar. She instantly jumps into bed with uh, Bruce Willis and is obsessed with him. Like, that's her favorite Hitman. Dude, she's got big, like, Kristen Stewart in uh, Crimes of the Future vibes. Yes. Where she's or, like, like, Natalie Portman in she, The Professional she's vibes. Like, she's like, remember when, when you killed that guy in his stairwell? And they... That, that was awesome. They go through, like, a lot of effort in the movie to make her seem really cool. And, like, uh, once you accept the heel turn, cool character, like, love what's going on here. And then they're like, okay, so the plan is you've been planning to be a killer this whole time, but your tactic is going to be... When all the bad guys show up to walk out 100% in the nude mm-hmm. and just that's your tactic. And then you're going to kill all them. Yeah. And then you're going to go over to the window where another bunch of henchmen are. And you're going to re-show your boobs mm-hmm. uh, and and literally jiggle them in the camera's face. Um, <laughs> and that is your character's growth. And she yeah. was like, okay. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. But other the, than uh, that. The transition from like this is – the most interesting character in the movie who is like secretly only Matthew Perry's assistant because she was hired to kill him and like is a cold blooded killer. No, wait, she wasn't only hired to be his assistant. She had been for a while. No, no, no. She got, she says, dude, you gotta watch the movies we're watching. I did. She's explaining everything to Bruce Willis. And she's like, yeah, his wife hired me. I heard that's, all that. She was like, that's why I got the job as his assistant. Oh, to... I must have just missed that The line. first scene in the movie, she literally goes, she goes, your wife's a bitch. 
I know I've only been your assistant for three weeks, but I already can tell she's a bitch. Wow, that wife was planning that for a long time, huh? Uh, yeah. And uh, she's like, dude, the turn from her being this interesting character to it literally switching to Bruce Willis genuinely, like her being like, am I allowed to put my shirt on? And he's like, no, honey, why don't you go meet me in the window real quick? That was just uncomfortable, dude. Um, so I wrote another review. You want to hear it? Uh, is this AI related? No, this is just my review. Okay. Wait, you want to give your rating first? Yeah, I'm going to give this movie a six. A six? Wow. Are you saying like that's low? That's low. Yeah, it's it was, not a it was, good movie. It was delightful. Thought, yeah, a lot of things are delightful. Damn, I thought that it was, are bad. I thought it was delightful. What did you like? What do you think this is like? Some cinematic landmark? No, no. it's a fucking bad comedy from the nineties. It's yeah. enjoyable. I had fun. Yeah. But like, you know, I right. think this is like a good movie. Yeah, I thought it was great. Like a good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's a poor, of a nineties comedy. Story. Yeah, of course. Of a nineties comedy. Well, you just took it out of just it's. Just compared to everything of all Is it, time. oh, the greatest made film? No, but like in the scope of the context of compared comparative 90s comedies, I think it's hilarious. I think you could have done 40% more to making it a, a, a classic. I enjoyed myself. Here, here's my review. Had a few laughs. What else do you want? Was that it? Yeah. Good. What else could you say about the whole nine yards? I had a few laughs. What else could you want? 7.5. So, Dan, Better than the film. as I go into the movie Blues, top secret envelope. 7.5. Dumb fucking score for this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 7.5. Are we doing this today on my birthday? No. <laughs> it's been a few days. 7.5. All right. It's consistent for you in that, like I've always said, the mark of a true critic is not their opinions, which in your case are just wrong. It's that they're consistent because that is how the audience of critics comes to understand what they like or dislike. You can like a critic while knowing their consistency. And when that consistency doesn't waver, if they like something, then you can be like, oh, I'm probably going to hate this. You're very consistent. You like bad movies that you think are good. This is a bad movie, and it should get a bad score, so it got a six. Okay, well. But I enjoyed it. Good. Delightful. All right. All Delightful right. elements. All right. I didn't hate it. I Look, what were the other ones we've just recently done? Southland Tales was like watching Schindler's List for me, <laughs> so that was not fun. But All right, Dan, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right, Let's, we're doing good. All right. I think we're, we're seeing Now, welcome out. to the Movie Blues Top Secret Envelope. Okay, back to the envelope from last week's episode, where Dan has... Another piece of paper to hand me. The last one was deeply insulting and upsetting. This one is probably just the same thing, but the other way around, where I'm like, this is a piece of shit, and you're like, but it's delightful. But I said it was delightful, so joke's on you, computer. All right, so my new my new vibe is... <laughs> the whole nine yards. Same <laughs> bit, it says at yeah, the top. Yeah, my vibe is, let's see how close the AI nails how the conversation actually went. Once, hey, once hey. again... Dan Lyons I'll will be, be playing Dan 1, by the way. The computer says that I'm 1. No, you'll actually be uh, Dan 2. Are you fucking kidding me? This is how you're going to start this bit off? Yeah, you're Dan 2, for once. Fuck you, dude. For once. Marty pissed. Yep. All right. So, this is, uh, I put a prompt into the AI generator to see how close it slash me would predict how this movie went, but mostly it. Hey, Dan. 
Welcome back to the Movie Blues Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan, too. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be discussing the film The Whole Nine Yards. Ugh, that movie! I thought it was a really delightful comedy. The performances were great and I, the jokes really landed for me. I completely disagree. I thought it was completely derivative and trite. The jokes were tired and the performances were wooden. Well, I guess we just have different tastes, but what really bothered you about the film? Well, for one thing, the music was absolutely terrible. I don't see how that's related. Go on. It's like, it was like they just threw in a bunch of generic, overused tunes and called it a soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, I could see where you're coming from, but I thought the music added to the overall light-hearted tone of the film. I just thought it was lazy and uninspired. And it's in line with the other bad movies you seem to enjoy. <laughs> hard facts. Ouch. That was a little harsh. <laughs> but I guess everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I guess everyone is entitled to their own opinion. That has never been said here. Yeah, I suppose you're right. But I just can't understand how you can enjoy a film like that. Well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. But it <laughs> makes me question the future of our friendship if we can't even agree on a simple comedy Isn't like this. Isn't this where the, the last one went? Questioning our friendship? <laughs> Don't worry, Dan, number one. I still value our friendship. I just can't bring myself to enjoy a film like The Whole Nine Yards. <laughs> well, I guess that's all we can ask for. Thanks for joining me on the show, Dan. I wish you said that to me. <laughs> No problem, Dan. Until next time, movie lovers. <laughs> so uh, how I have this labeled is, uh, is how I wish the podcast would go. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you do, yeah, you wish it would, would go this way. But so on that note, here's the real AI version of what I thought it would go like. Um, no, what? There's more of this? Christ. <laughs> this one I asked it to write like a Stephen King novel. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. As the opening chords of the Blues Brothers' Sweet Home Chicago blared through the speakers. I uh, what? <laughs> Host Dan Lyons sat down at the microphone, his face twisted with rage. Welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast, where we explore the depths of cinema through the lens of the blues. He spat into the microphone. Wait, that's spot on. <laughs> that's what I've always tried to achieve with this program. Go ahead. And today, I am truly livid. I can't believe I have to sit here and talk about the abomination that is the whole nine yards. Dan Enden, his co-host and fellow blues aficionado, looked at him with concern. <laughs> Dan, are you okay? You seemed a little worked up. Worked up? I'm beyond worked up, Dan shouted, his voice rising to a fever pitch. This movie is an insult to the blues, to cinema, and to, <laughs> <laughs> and to human intelligence. It is a shallow, mindless, unfunny piece of garbage that should be forgotten and erased from history. And yet... You sit there and tell me that you actually enjoyed it, Dan? How could you betray the blues like this? This is like what season one sounded like, actually. <laughs> Dan Enden tried to calm him down. Now, now, Dan, let's not get too carried away. The whole nine yards may not be a great movie, but it's not the worst in the world either. It's a decent enough comedy with some funny moments. But Dan Lyons would not be placated. <laughs> decent enough? Funny moments? You're delusional, Dan. This movie is a disaster. A true affront to everything we stand for on the show. It's caused me to have an existential crisis, and I can't take it anymore. So. I'm losing my mind over this movie, and I cannot stand the thought of you enjoying it. <laughs> as the rant continued, the other host could only look on in horror as Dan Lyons descended into pure madness, ranting and raving about the whole nine yards and his true hatred for it. <laughs> his mental health was clearly suffering, and it was clear this film had caused him a great deal of pain. That's true. In the end, Dan Enden was forced to end the episode early as his co-host's rant had become too unhinged and dangerous to continue. 
As the closing credits rolled, Dan Lyons could be heard screaming in the background, his anger and palpable hatred for the whole nine yards consuming him rapidly and completely. <laughs> it was a truly tragic and unsettling end to the episode and of the Movie Blues podcast. Wow. That was amazing. And frighteningly real. Almost <laughs> to the point of making it redundant. <laughs> Other than me screaming about this one. Because I, I did enjoy this one, but like, yes. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was a movie. It was a movie that I enjoyed. The AI has your vibe down for sure <laughs> which makes me question my own reality being a simulation of some kind but that would explain the mirror stuff i anyway. was about to say that yeah no that's your favorite ah uh, it's like neo with the cat your favorite go-to anyway like goat too you know what i'm saying what are you smoking a banana over there? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's it for uh, this block of episodes. The block. Holy shit, and that brings us to the time where we have to tell each other about what are we doing next. Yeah, but you already know what mine is. What? Yeah. Yeah. Listeners. Dan gets to claim the 100th episode of the podcast. It's episode 100 coming up. Yeah. Which means... I didn't get to pick something that I wanted to. It was more like a responsibility. It's a social responsibility. To to all of you. To what we've built together. Right. So it'd be like if a Book of Henry sequel came out. Yeah. Stop I, Stop the presses. Yeah. You want to talk about someone who does not pre-order tickets to the movies? If the Book of Henry sequel got announced, I would call Regal Cinemas and be like, how do I get on a list for this? And they'd be like... First of all, we're putting you on a list because yeah. you made this question. But secondly, no one's going to see this movie. Zero people. We're just the people that... Because just... it's streaming on Prime Video. <laughs> direct, direct to streaming. <laughs> and I'd be like, fantastic. Um, and that movie is? Clerks 3. Clerks 3. The Clerk and Dan swore we'd never do another Kevin Smith movie? Not quite. I think if you recall, I said that... If we were to do another Kevin Smith movie or proviso anything with Ben Affleck in it, which I think we already violated that somewhere <laughs> somewhere down the line, uh, that I would get to pick a Marvel movie for you to watch. Mm. And that is not the case. Great. We're not doing that. I don't feel like you've crossed the line yet. I just don't feel like that'd be a good episode. That depends on your definition of what's a good episode. Yeah. If it's me embarrassing myself saying Marvel's good yeah. while you don't care. It's you having then wa yes. if it's you watching <laughs> Thor 5 again and me being like it was fine. Fair. Nothing happened. Super fair. You like how I trained the AI bot to know that you love Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, that was touching. <laughs> it's a nice personal touch. <laughs> I said I made it so that it, you compare everything good to Thor Ragnarok. That's uh, <laughs> that's something maybe that happened once or twice. <laughs> probably was like, yeah, probably was comparing something to Thor Ragnarok at some point. I was like, have Dan happened. Lyons rate <laughs> rate the fountain highly on the Thor Ragnarok scale. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Anyway. Dude, you should have seen the novel I wrote into the AI. It was literally like Dan Lyons has a scale by which he judges all feature films. The the smallest, the lowest of which being Son of the Mask, the highest of which which being the Fountain, or being a uh, Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. The Fountain falls much closer to Thor Ragnarok. 
I had an idea at one point for the next episode that I was going to buy you like a regal gift certificate and make you see Avatar The Way of Water. I still wouldn't have done it. And There's no way. I thought real long, long and hard about the logistics of it with maybe even coordinating. There's not even a regal near me anywhere. <laughs> with coordinating. With I would have Pat. had to drive an hour to see it. You would have had to have seen it IMAX 3D as James Cameron intended it. If you're going to do that, you got to make it in a theater I could get to. <laughs> You're like maybe the, I would have bought an AMC car. It like, doesn't matter. You're like the for company. the next movie, you need to drive an hour and ten minutes to yeah. watch a four-hour movie that you hate. It 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 boiled down to that. What you just said, I said to myself, and then was like, Nah, I can't do that. I would have for sure just read the Wikipedia and then not gone. Um, what do you think your next movie choice should be? Clerks three. No, my choice for you. Oh, what do I think it should be? Yeah. Like, what do I want it to be? Yeah, like, do you have any ideas for like me? Like, Jason Takes Manhattan? Jason Takes Manhattan. Okay, well, we're not going to do that, but... 2021's Cube? Oof. <laughs> I can't do subtitles, as you know. Yeah, we know. Shout out. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to do The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Oh, I should have seen that. <laughs> and with that... We will leave the audience in great I've suspense. made it this many years without seeing The Mummy, dude. That's so cool, dude. Get ready to see a fucking gem. From one Dan to another. <laughs>